0: part three section fifteen of *Swann's way by marcel proust translated by c k scott moncrief eighteen eighty nine to nineteen thirty this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by expatriate in bangor maine part three swan in love section fifteen and so that drawing-room which had brought swan and odette together became an obstacle in the way of their meeting she no longer said to him as she had said in the early days of their love we shall meet anyhow to-morrow evening there's a supper party at the verdurins but we shan't be able to meet to-morrow evening there's a supper party at the verdurins or else the verdurins were taking her to the opera comique to see une nuit de cleopatra and swann could read in her eyes that terror lest he should ask her not to go which but a little time before he could not have refrained from greeting with a kiss as it flitted across the face of his mistress but which now exasperated him yet i'm not really sorry he assured himself when i see how she longs to run away and scratch from maggots in that dunghill of cacophony i'm disappointed not for myself but for her disappointed to find that after living for more than six months in daily contact with myself she has not been capable of improving her mind even to the point of spontaneously eradicating from it a taste for victor Massé. more than that to find that she has not arrived at the stage of understanding that there are evenings on which anyone with the least shade of refinement of feeling should be willing to forego an amusement when she is asked to do so she ought to have the sense to say i shall not go if it were only from policy since it is by what she answers now that the quality of her soul will be determined once and for all and having persuaded himself that it was solely after all in order that he might arrive at a favourable estimate of odette's spiritual worth that he wished her to stay at home with them that evening instead of going to the opera Comique he adopted the same line of reasoning with her with the same degree of insincerity as he had used with himself or even with a degree more for in her case he was yielding also to the desire to capture her by her own self-esteem i swear to you he told her shortly before she was to leave for the theatre that in asking you not to go i should hope were i a selfish man for nothing so much as that you should refuse for i have a thousand other things to do this evening and i shall feel that i have been tricked and trapped myself and shall be thoroughly annoyed if after all you tell me that you are not going but my occupations my pleasures are not everything i must think of you also a day may come when seeing me irrevocably sundered from you you will be entitled to reproach me with not having warned you at the decisive hour in which i felt that i was going to pass judgment on you one of those stern judgments which love cannot long resist you see your nuit de cleopatra what a title has no bearing on the point what i must know is whether you are indeed one of those creatures in the lowest grade of mentality and even of charm one of those contemptible creatures who are incapable of foregoing a pleasure for if you are such how could any one love you for you are not even a person a definite imperfect but at least perceptible entity you are a formless water that will trickle down any slope that it may come upon a fish devoid of memory incapable of thought which all its life long in its aquarium will continue to dash itself a hundred times a day against a wall of glass always mistaking it for water do you realize that your answer will have the effect i do not say of making me cease from that moment to love you that goes without saying but of making you less attractive to my eyes when i realize that you are not a person that you are beneath everything in the world and have not the intelligence to raise yourself one inch higher obviously i should have preferred to ask you as though it had been a matter of little or no importance to give up your nuit de cleopatre since you compel me to sully my lips with so abject a name in the hope that you would go to it none the less but since i had resolved to weigh you in the balance to make so grave an issue depend upon your answer i considered it more honourable to give you due warning meanwhile odette had shown signs of increasing emotion and uncertainty although the meaning of his tirade was beyond her she grasped that it was to be included among the scenes of reproach or supplication scenes which her familiarity with the ways of men enabled her without paying any heed to the words that were uttered to conclude that men would not make unless they were in love that from the moment when they were in love it was superfluous to obey them since they would only be more in love later on and so she would have heard swann out with the utmost tranquillity had she not noticed that it was growing late and that if he went on speaking for any length of time she would never as she told him with a fond smile obstinate but slightly abashed get there in time for the overture on other occasions he had assured himself that the one thing which more than anything else would make him cease to love her would be her refusal to abandon the habit of lying even from the point of view of coquetry pure and simple he had told her can't you see how much of your attraction you throw away when you stoop to lying by a frank admission how many faults you might redeem really you are far less intelligent than i supposed in vain however did swann expound to her thus all the reasons that she had for not lying they might have succeeded in overthrowing any universal system of mendacity but odette had no such system she contented herself merely whenever she wished swann to remain in ignorance of anything that she had done with not telling him of it so that a lie was to her something to be used only as a special expedient and the one thing that could make her decide whether she should avail herself of a lie or not was a reason which too was of a special and contingent order namely the risk of swann's discovering that she had not told him the truth physically she was passing through an unfortunate phase she was growing stouter and the expressive sorrowful charm the surprised wistful expressions which she had formerly had seemed to have vanished with her first youth with the result that she became most precious to swann at the very moment when he found her distinctly less good-looking he would gaze at her for hours on end trying to recapture the charm which he had once seen in her and could not find again and yet the knowledge that within this new and strange chrysalis it was still odette that lurked still the same volatile temperament artful and evasive was enough to keep swann seeking with as much passion as ever to captivate her then he would look at photographs of her taken two years before and would remember how exquisite she had been and that would console him a little for all the sufferings that he voluntarily endured on her account when the verdurins took her off to st germain or to chateau or to moulins as often as not if the weather was fine they would propose to remain there for the night and not go home until next day madame verdurin would endeavour to set at rest the scruples of the pianist whose aunt had remained in paris she will be only too glad to be rid of you for a day how on earth could she be anxious when she knows you're with us anyhow i'll take you all under my wing she can put the blame on me if this attempt failed monsieur verdurin would set across country until he came to a telegraph office or some other kind of messenger after first finding out which of the faithful had anyone whom they must warn but odette would thank him and assure him that she had no message for anyone for she had told swann once and for all that she could not possibly send messages to him before all those people without compromising herself Sometimes she would be absent for several days on end when the Verdorans took her to see the tombs at Dreux or to Compigne on the painter's advice to watch the sun setting through the forest, after which they went on to the chateau of Pierrefonds. To think that she could visit really historic buildings with me, who have spent ten years in the study of architecture, who am constantly bombarded by people who really count, to take them over Beauvais or Saint-Loup-de-Nol and refuse to take anyone but her and instead of that she trundles off with the lowest the most brutally degraded of creatures to go into ecstasies over the petrified excretions of louis philippe and violet le duc one hardly needs much knowledge of art i should say to do that though surely without even any particularly refined sense of smell one would not deliberately choose to spend a holiday in the latrines so as to be within range of their fragrant exhalations but when she had set off for Dreux or pierrefonds alas without allowing him to appear there as though by accident at her side for as she said that would create a dreadful impression he would plunge into the most intoxicating romance in the lovers library the railway time-table from which he learned the ways of joining her there in the afternoon in the evening even in the morning the ways more than that the authority the right to join her for after all, the timetable and the trains themselves were not meant for dogs. If the public were carefully informed by means of printed advertisements that at eight o'clock in the morning a train started for Pierrefonds, which arrived there at ten, that could only be because going to Pierrefonds was a lawful act, for which permission from Odette would be superfluous. An act, moreover, which might be performed from a motive altogether different from the desire to see Odette since persons who had never even heard of her performed it daily and in such numbers as justified the labour and expense of stoking the engines so it came to this that she could not prevent him from going to pierrefonds if he chose to do so now that was precisely what he found that he did choose to do and would at that moment be doing were he like the travelling public not acquainted with odette for a long time past he had wanted to form a more definite impression of viollet le duc's work as a restorer and the weather being what it was he felt an overwhelming desire to spend the day roaming in the forest of compigne it was indeed a piece of bad luck that she had forbidden him access to the one spot that tempted him to-day to-day why if he went down there in defiance of her prohibition he would be able to see her that very day but then whereas if she had met at pierrefonds someone who did not matter she would have hailed him with obvious pleasure what you here and would have invited him to come and see her at the hotel where she was staying with the verdurins if on the other hand it was himself swann that she encountered there she would be annoyed would complain that she was being followed would love him less in consequence might even turn away in anger when she caught sight of him so then i'm not to be allowed to go away for a day anywhere she would reproach him on her return whereas in fact it was he himself who was not allowed to go he had had the sudden idea so as to contrive to visit compigne and Perfons, without letting it be supposed that his object was to meet odette of securing an invitation from one of his friends the marquis de forestel who had a country house in that neighbourhood this friend to whom swann suggested the plan without disclosing its ulterior purpose was beside himself with joy he did not conceal his astonishment at swann's consenting at last after fifteen years to come down and visit his property and since he did not he told him wish to stay there promised to spend some days at least in taking him for walks and excursions in the district swann imagined himself down there already with monsieur de forestel even before he saw odette even if he did not succeed in seeing her there what a joy it would be to set foot on that soil where not knowing the exact spot in which at any moment she was to be found he would feel all around him the thrilling possibility of her suddenly appearing in the courtyard of the chateau now beautiful in his eyes since it was on her account that he had gone to visit it in all the streets of the town which struck him as romantic down every ride of the forest roseate with a deep and tender glow of sunset innumerable and in alternative hiding-places to which would fly simultaneously for refuge in the uncertain ubiquity of his hopes his happy vagabond and divided heart we mustn't on any account he would warn m de forestal run across odette and the verdurins i have just heard that they are at pierrefonds of all places to-day one has plenty of time to see them in paris it would hardly be worth while coming down here if one couldn't go a yard without meeting them and his host would fail to understand why once they had reached the place swann would change his plans twenty times in an hour inspect the dining-rooms of all the hotels in compigne without being able to make up his mind to settle down in any of them although he had found no trace anywhere of the verdurins seeming to be in search of what he had claimed to be most anxious to avoid and would in fact avoid the moment he found it for if he had come upon the little group he would have hastened away at once with studied indifference satisfied that he had seen odette and she him especially that she had seen him when he was not apparently thinking about her but no she would guess at once that it was for her sake that he had come there and when m de forestel came to fetch him and it was time to start he excused himself no i'm afraid not i can't go to pierrefonds to-day you see odette is there and swann was happy in spite of everything in feeling that if he alone among mortals had not the right to go to pierrefonds that day it was because he was in fact for odette someone who differed from all other mortals her lover and because that restriction which for him alone was set upon the universal right to travel freely where one would was but one of the many forms of that slavery the love which was so dear to him decidedly it was better not to risk a quarrel with her to be patient to wait for her return he spent his days in poring over a map of the forest of compigne as though it had been that of the paille du tendre he surrounded himself with photographs of the chateau of pierrefonds when the day dawned on which it was possible that she might return he opened the timetable again calculated what train she must have taken and should she have postponed her departure what trains were still left for her to take he did not leave the house for fear of missing a telegram he did not go to bed in case having come by the last train she decided to surprise him with a midnight visit yes the front doorbell rang there seemed some delay in opening the door he wanted to awaken the porter he leaned out of the window to shout to odette if it was odette for in spite of the orders which he had gone downstairs a dozen times to deliver in person they were quite capable of telling her that he was not at home it was only a servant coming in he noticed the incessant rumble of passing carriages to which he had never before paid any attention he could hear them one after another a long way off coming nearer passing his door without stopping and bearing away into the distance a message which was not for him he waited all night to no purpose for the verdurins had returned unexpectedly and odette had been in paris since midday it had not occurred to her to tell him not knowing what to do with herself she had spent the evening alone at a theatre had long since gone home to bed and was peacefully asleep as a matter of fact she had never given him a thought and such moments as these in which she forgot swann's very existence were of more value to odette did more to attach him to her than all her infidelities for in this way swann was kept in that state of painful agitation which had once before been effective in making his interest blossom into love on the night when he had failed to find odette at the verdurins and had hunted for her all evening and he did not have as i had afterwards at combray in my childhood happy days in which to forget the sufferings that would return with the night for his days swann must pass them without odette and as he told himself now and then to allow so pretty a woman to go out by herself in paris was just as rash as to leave a case filled with jewels in the middle of the street in this mood he would scowl furiously at the passers-by as though they were so many pickpockets but their faces, a collective and formless mass, escaped the grasp of his imagination, and so failed to feed the flame of his jealousy. The effort exhausted Swan's brain, until passing his hand over his eyes he cried out, Heaven help me! As people, after lashing themselves into an intellectual frenzy in their endeavours to master the problem of the reality of the external world, or that of the immortality of the soul, afford relief to their weary brains by an unreasoning act of faith but the thought of his absent mistress was incessantly indissolubly blended with all the simplest actions of swann's daily life when he took his meals opened his letters went for a walk or to bed by the fact of his regret at having to perform those actions without her like those initials of philibert the fair which in the church of bru because of her grief her longing for him margaret of austria intertwined everywhere with her own on some days instead of staying at home he would go for luncheon to a restaurant not far off to which he had been attracted some time before by the excellence of its cookery but to which he now went only for one of those reasons at once mystical and absurd which people call romantic because this restaurant which by the way still exists bore the same name as the street in which odette lived the la Perouse sometimes when she had been away on a short visit somewhere several days would elapse before she thought of letting him know that she had returned to paris and then she would say quite simply without taking as she would once have taken the precaution of covering herself at all costs with a little fragment borrowed from the truth that she had just at that very moment arrived by the morning train what she said was a falsehood at least for odetta was a falsehood inconsistent lacking what it would have had if true the support of her memory of her actual arrival at the station she was even prevented from forming a mental picture of what she was saying while she said it by the contradictory picture in her mind of whatever quite different things she had indeed been doing at the moment when she pretended to have been alighting from the train in Swan's mind, however, these words, meeting no opposition, settled and hardened until they assumed the indestructibility of a truth so indubitable that if some friend happened to tell him that he had come by the same train and had not seen Odette, Swan would have been convinced that it was his friend who had made a mistake as to the day or hour, since his version did not agree with the words uttered by Odette these words had never appeared to him false except when before hearing them he had suspected that they were going to be for him to believe that she was lying an anticipatory suspicion was indispensable it was also however sufficient given that everything that odette might say appeared to him suspect did she mention a name it was obviously that of one of her lovers once this supposition had taken shape he would spend weeks in tormenting himself on one occasion he even approached a firm of inquiry agents to find out the address and the occupation of the unknown rival who would give him no peace until he could be proved to have gone abroad and who he ultimately learned was an uncle of odette and had been dead for twenty years end of part three section fifteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine